Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 45th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. 45, an incomplete list of the best or most fun athletes to wear number 45. Bob Gibson, Pedro Martinez, Donovan Mitchell, Paul Shirley. Remember I said most fun, not necessarily best. No offense, Paul. Rick Smith, the Duncan Dutchman, Chuck the Rifleman person, and of course, Michael Jordan, sort of. Uh, the goal this week, as always, is to be worth your time. We're going to start with the best sports news I've heard in a while. And then a great run of questions about keeping joy, when sports might be totally back to normal again, and maximizing your time at spring training or other games. We finished with some audio uh, that, as much as anything I can think of, explains exactly what the Royals are trying to be. And for me, their path to competing in a division of teams that either have more money than them, more talent than them, or both. Okay, uh, the Star is running a special promotion for the Sports Pass right now. Dollar a month for three months for all of our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs and Royals content than you can find anywhere else. You can find that on our website or just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and I'll send you the link. I appreciate everybody who's listened, offered feedback, written in, asking for the subscription link. Uh, your support means everything to me and more importantly, the people I work with. So thank you. If you, if you like the show, please feel free, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, five stars, preferably. Um, it helps us get the word out. So guys, I got to be honest with you. This is the second lead I've recorded this week. The first was about this almost like tangibly growing sense of optimism I've had since being around spring training this week, watching baseball games with other actual humans seeing you know case numbers drop and vaccinations rise and everything else but an hour or two after i recorded that lead um sent it to savannah the royals sent out their greatest press release in years you got, uh they're, they're gonna host up to ten thousand fans starting on opening day in pods uh potential monthly increases throughout the summer so you know just straight up like this news is not surprising right like the royals have been talking about this for months you know last summer you know you might remember that royals you know the new owner john sherman came on this very here podcast and and said that the royals hoped to have fans last season and and that in fact they had sent what they believed to be a strong plan to the commissioner's office. Uh, the commissioner didn't allow any teams to have fans. Um, and, and in fact, no paying customers were able to watch baseball last year until the playoffs. So, you know, that's all different now, um, starting from the very beginning. And, and look, I, I know I can get corny. Uh, I know I can get particularly corny for baseball, but uh, this is as good a sports news as, as I can remember. Look, the, the, the Chiefs had fans at Arrowhead all last season. Um, they played in front of 20,000 or so at the Super Bowl college basketball and college football play with limited crowds so you know the royals and baseball announcing fans is, is not earth shifting it's it's not surprising but it is encouraging as hell isn't it um you know the the world feels like it is just undeniably moving in the right direction you know with vaccines outnumbering new cases um, and a little more understanding about the virus allowing like some tiny level of certainty uh, and i felt that this week at spring training you know, I watched real baseball, or at least, you know, the version of real baseball that they play in spring training. 98 mile an hour fastballs, you know, diving catches, blown calls, bobble grander, bobbled grounders, um, and, and hand to God, one of the farthest home runs I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, just baseball was awesome. You know, I had my first real, like, no Zoom face-to-face -face conversations with actual humans I write about in months. 
um, you know, kids playing catch and dads eating hot dogs and, you know, one guy who might have had a beer or two too many, heckling Daniel Lynch, uh, ballpark chatter, you know, lemonade being sold by guys in bright green shirts. For the first time in almost a year, the Royals were playing in front of humans <laughs> who paid American currency to sit in the stands. It was glorious. And, and now we know that they'll play in front of a significant number of people in Kansas City, too. You know, there, there's a long way to go. Um, I think we all understand that. But, you know, for the first time since all this began, it feels like almost undeniable. Like I realize what I'm saying here, but it feels like almost undeniable that the worst is behind us. Um, you know, we've lost so much, right? Like uh, some of us have lost more than others. We'll never be the same again. I get that. But I guess the, the point I'm trying to make here is that it just really feels like we're at the point where we can start thinking about normal again or, you know, start to see if whatever changes we've made, like personally, um, you know, or professionally in the last year, like how that's going to play in the real world. We've been able to use this last year or so to come out of this in, in better shape. You know, again, um, we're not there yet. Um, you know, one thing that we know is that we never really know as much as we think we do. The variants, all this stuff, you know, but look like our, our kids, I think about it like this, like our kids are at school, but they're in masks. Um, you know, they don't eat lunch in a cafeteria. They've got separated recesses, uh, and they're the lucky ones <laughs> because they're actually in school and, and a lot of others aren't. So, you know, like we can talk about deaths and hospitalizations being down, but deaths and hospitalizations are still happening right like it'll be a heck of a long way back for like waiters and cooks and bartenders and musicians and all kinds of people but i I know this is a relatively small thing and i know it's irrelevant to a lot of people who just don't care about sports or baseball but you know the fact that we can go watch them in person again this summer fine like i just mean it it feels like we're all getting a little bit closer to where we want to be right doesn't it Look, before we move on to the rest of the show, this podcast is free, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you one more time to join us behind the paywall. We work hard to bring you information and perspectives you can't get in other places. We have the most journalists working the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Uh, Please help support us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Again, a dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. It is the best deal in town. Uh, You can find those links online or or the better word, just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and, and I'll send them along. Okay, quick break, and then we'll, we will be back with some questions. If you want to participate in next week's show, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime, 816-234-4365. Or as the great reader Michael points out, 816-BEG-IDLE. Okay, a quick break, and then we are back with those questions. Saturday morning routine where I listen to Ellington Minutes 
And I didn't get through all of episode 43 last weekend, so I started out by listening to that one. And then got into episode 44, and you said you were pumped up, but frankly, it's just, it's refreshing to hear in your voice how much better you are feeling this week than you did last week. And if you go back and listen to it, it's like you, you voice was just weighted down with the heaviness of your of your colleague and your friends passing and uh and you've got your excitement back or i don't know you may have excitement you never had before it is kind of exciting to start to see that things are going to open back up and when it's been you know, minus degrees all week long now all of a sudden you start to think about spring and baseball. It's pretty easy to get excited. Anyway, heard it in your voice and wanted to uh, give you some feedback on that. Well, hey, look, I I appreciate you um, you know making the show part of your routine first of all, um, and and I also appreciate the words here. Look, like we all grieve in different ways, right? Different paces, different places. Um, I will miss Therese for the rest of my life. Um, you know, him dying so young will never not make me sad. But, you know, at some point in some ways when tragedies hit close to home, they're a reminder about all the good stuff too. You know what I mean? They're a reminder about how lucky we are to be here, um, to have a chance to make today as good as possible, to, you know, get better as a professional or as a man or a woman or a husband or a parent or, or whatever else. Um, you know, this is maybe a weird thing to think about, but it's been in my head um, for the last few weeks. So here goes like four years ago. When um, Jordano Ventura died, um, they, they had the service in the Dominican Republic and, you know, people were uncontrollably sad and emotional. Right. Um, and do you know what Dayton Moore told Jordano's mother? He hugged her and he said, it's an honor to be able to grieve with you. It's an honor to be able to grieve with you. Uh, that That is stuck with me. Um, I, I love that. Like. I don't know that I'd ever would have been able to articulate it like that, but that sentiment has just really stayed with me. Um, and it's true. You know what I mean? Like it, it's an honor to be able to support and show love to people who are hurting. Um, it is an honor to be around people feeling a version of your pain and allow them to support and show love to you. Uh, most of all, it's an honor to have had someone in your life who meant that much to you. I hope that makes sense. Um, and I, I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from here. Like, I know we all do this in our own ways and none of them are necessarily wrong as long as we're letting ourselves be honest with the emotions. But, you know, look, I, I've got a lot to be grateful for. I know that um, a lot in my life that makes me happy, makes me motivated, uh, makes me want to be my best. Um, I suspect you can say the same. And if not, I'm wishing you the strength to find someone to help. Um, I, I guess the, the point I'm making here is that Mark is right. Like, I am happy. I, I feel energized. Um, I don't know if that's another reminder about how precious this all is or about what really matters. Or maybe it's spending a few days at spring training. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, one of our boys having a birthday last weekend. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But I, I appreciate you noticing. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to send this. And I'm including this here because I think we can all use a little support in the good times and in the bad. Um, okay, uh, here's James with a question I think we're all wondering at least a little bit about. 
Hi, James from Columbia, Missouri. And my question is, when do you believe we will return to crowds without masks? I know I tend to be optimistic, uh, but at the moment, I'm just happy to have sports back, man. <laughs> like that's that's enough for me right now. Uh, we hit on that enough uh, before. Uh, so, you know, here, let's think about this through together, right? Like um, case numbers are going down. Um, according to recent reports, about one in six Americans have been vaccinated already, which is pretty incredible uh, when you think about it. I know people that have been vaccinated. I'm sure you do, too. It's a really cool feeling. Uh, you know, the, the president said enough vaccines would be produced for every American adult by the end of May. Now, that's not the same thing as saying every American adult will be vaccinated by the end of May. But still, like it's it's encouraging, right? Like reports I've seen say, you know, somewhere between 50 to 80 percent of Americans need to be vaccinated to reach, you know, what we're, I guess we're calling herd immunity threshold. Um, so at this pace, we should get there sooner than I think a lot of us might have guessed even a month or two ago. Um, so now if, if there's anything we know, and this is the other part of it, right? If there's anything we know about this thing a year into it, it's that we never know as much as we think we know, right? Like there's new variants, uh, you know, some people will decline the vaccine, you know, the, the country never has and never will truly shut down. So, you know, this might be something we just have to live with for a while. Um, you know, now the, the last thing I want to mention here is that I am like, this may surprise you, but I am not an infectious disease expert. Um, so I, I guess I just mentioned that anyway, but, um, I, I think what we saw with like Texas and Mississippi this week, you know, and Alabama, what was that a week or two ago, Alabama announced it was planning on full capacity for, for football games in the fall. Like, you know, different parts of the country are going to move with different speed, you know? And like, whenever we go back and, um, you know, crowd, uh, size limitations are gone or even mask restrictions like you know it'll feel weird as heck right and I think there's going to be a lot of people who will need some time before they're comfortable in crowds again um, but if we're past that herd immunity threshold by you know mid or late summer I mean is it crazy to think we can't all watch a baseball or football game outdoors without a mask um, I, you know look again not an infectious disease expert but that's how I tend to think about it um, and, uh, you know, but my assumption is that the people who are the experts, uh, will have sound reasons that we should still mask up when around each other, uh, you know, through the summer and fall and, and maybe even into next year. But I don't know either way, man, I just like thinking about this stuff that it's like a possibility, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay. Last question here. And it's another one I'm, I'm happy to get to. Hey, Sam, this is Chris from central Kansas. Thanks for all you do. That's greatly appreciated. We're going to spring training for the first time in a few days and wanted to get any tips on maximizing the experience. We have tickets for two games, one in the stands and one in the grass beyond the outfield. I know that some of the normal activities have been curtailed due to COVID, but I'm guessing you have some alternative ideas. Thanks, and we hope to safely see you out there. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, I just got back from spring training and, and it was great, but also not at all normal. Um, you know, the, the best part of spring training for fans is, you know, you're, you're closer to the games, you're closer to the players than you can be during the regular season. And that part of it just really doesn't exist right now. Um, you know, just one example, um, you can't get down by the field, like for autographs, if, if that's your thing, you know, they've got the first few rows blocked off by signs uh, keeping fans out. And, you know, the COVID protocols, they cover stuff like, 
you know, balls or Sharpies being thrown to players for signatures. So, um, you know, again, like everything else in the world, it's not quite what it used to be or, or hopefully what it'll be like again soon. But it is baseball <laughs> and, and you can watch it in person and you can get a hot dog to eat and a beer to wash it down. And, you know, what is wrong with any of this? Right. Like um, it, it's a cool like I, I hope I'm not like discouraging you or, or telling you you're not going to have a good time. I think you're going to have a great time. Um, you know, I think just the fact of just seeing baseball in person, there's something if you love the sport and obviously you love the sport or else you wouldn't be, you know, going to this effort to go down there. Uh, it, it, there's something like sort of <laughs> like, again, I know I'm corny, but like there's something emotional, at least for me. Like, and, I, and I assume for you, if you like baseball this much, there's something emotional about just being able to see the games in person with fans in the stands. And, you know, also Phoenix is a great place to be this time of year, man. Like the, the traffic is a nightmare in places, but you know, that. It's what happens when you go places people want to go, right? And, you know, one weird plus about a pandemic is that there aren't as many people out, you know? Um, you know, the drive back from Mesa where the Cubs play the other day, I mean, that's taken me an hour and a half before. Um, and the other day it was like 45, maybe 50 minutes. So, you know, look, if you're a golfer, um, there's a million courses around. I've never played any of them, um, so don't ask me for a recommendation, um, you know, but if you're active, if you're up for it, there's a bunch of mountains you can climb. Um, I've done Camelback a few times, and it's great. Um, you know, it's not really convenient to surprise if that's where you're staying, but it's a really cool climb. Um, I, you know, the right amount of tough, I think, and you know, the view from the top is just amazing. So um, you should eat Mexican food. Um, you should eat lots of Mexican food. Um, you'll see places on the side of the road, and just trust them. <laughs> uh, trust them. They're, they're good. Uh, you know, cowboy chow, if, if you want a bit of a more like expensive or event experience, I guess, you know, Chelsea's kitchen is really good. There's there's a pizza place called uh, Bianco that people will tell you is the greatest pizza in the world. And those people are liars. <laughs> Do not go there and wait two hours for pizza that you'll eat and think is just fine. I'm telling you, don't go there. Um, eat Mexican. Uh, I, I've never done this, and, and I don't know how much time you'll have down there, obviously, but um, everybody I know who's taken a day to go to the Grand Canyon, I mean, nobody ends up regretting that. So um, anyway, look, I, I wish I could help you more uh, with autographs, if that's your thing, or other ways to get closer to the games. Um, and if you call back in a year, hopefully we'll be at normal, and I can give you some of those tips. But mostly just enjoy the ball, man. Um, it, it was really cool to watch for me, um, and I hope you have the same experience. Okay, one more quick break, and then we will be back with some audio that tells you everything you need to know about who the Royals are trying to be. Okay, uh, let's finish strong here. Um, You have probably heard some of the clips from Dayton Moore and Hunter Dozier uh, talking earlier in the week about a four-year, $25 million extension that Dozier signed with. It also includes a club option uh, worth $10 million for the 2025 season. Um, But I don't know that you've heard these specific clips I'm going to play here. And and even if you have, I think it's important to hear them with the context. It's going to help you understand what's happening here with the Royals a little bit better than your friends. Because on the surface... Uh, this isn't that noteworthy of a deal. Um, you know, Dozier is the first sort of like non-superstar to sign a long-term extension since the pandemic, um, you know, depending on what you think of a one-year extension for Yuri Gurriel. But, um, you know, maybe that's noteworthy. 
Um, you know, the, the Royals, like all teams, like to build their futures around homegrown players. Um, you know, free agency is a bad way to build a baseball team. And it's not just about the cost, but, you know, it's the fact that, like, by definition, you are spending a lot of money on a player who's a little older, who you don't know nearly as well as you know your own guys, and who did not agree to an extension with his original club for whatever reason. Um, that doesn't make them a bad player, right? Um, doesn't make them a bad teammate, very far from it. Uh, it just means that you don't know and you don't have the same level of certainty with an enormous investment. So um, anyway, Dozier signs his extension and his family is set for the rest of his life. And this is what he said. You know, I want to be a royal. I'm, if I could choose, I'd be a royal for life. I mean, this is the best organization in all of sports. Um, and I mean, it's it, it was a very easy decision for me. Um, I want to be here. Um, I want to win here. Look, the, the Royals have lost more games over the last three seasons than every other team in baseball except for the Tigers and Orioles. <laughs> and Dozier is calling them the best organization in pro sports and promising a lot of winning. It's it's a pretty incredible soundbite when you think about it like that. So, look, we all see reality here, right? Like he's talking about a team that, you know, just promised him at least $25 million and he's never actually played for another organization. So Dozier is not the most unbiased source here if you're trying to get to the truth. But, you know, for the point we're making, like that does not matter, right? Uh, what matters is that he believes it and not just that he believes it, but it matters why he believes it. Because Dozier's path here has not been linear. Um, he was the eighth overall pick in 2013, and that was sort of a, a, a compromise pick where the Royals paid a little less than slot on Dozier uh, so that they could pay a lot more than slot on Shamanaya, um, who they ended up taking 34th in that draft. Dozier crushed his first year in the minors um, and then really struggled for two years uh, before picking himself back up. He, he debuted. In 2016, uh, missed most of 2017 with an injury, um, really struggled in 2018, and then crushed in 2019. Um, he had a 870 OPS, 65 extra base hits, including 26 homers, league-high 10 triples. And, you know, what he lacks in specific defensive value, he makes up for by, you know, being able to play either corner infield spot or right field. Um, there, is, there is some value in that. So, look, that is a player that you can win with. Right. Um, but again, like, let's remember those struggles between 2014 and 2019. Dozier really only had one productive season. Um, and a stretch like that can kill a young player's confidence, you know, um, and the Royals didn't let that happen. He, he had coaches and scouts and everybody he interacted with in the organization believing him. They helped him. They listened to him. They supported him. Uh, that is the expectation set with the Royals. Um, and it spreads to teammates as well. Like, not all the time, you know, because let's be real. Like, these guys are competing for each other's jobs, right? Like, there's a finite number of big league futures available for minor leaguers. And, you know, people don't talk about this part as much, but, you know, teammates are competing against each other in a lot of ways as much as they're competing with the other team. So, you know, Dozier got through that, and, and not because he never struggled, but in some ways maybe because he did struggle. Right. Like he, he got to see what the coaches and, and front office guys were like when he was bad. There's a lot of value in that. You know what I mean? Um, Dozier didn't have to make it to the big leagues, like certainly didn't have to make it to the point where the Royals just guaranteed him lifetime wealth. Like lots of first round picks don't make it this far. And I'll tell you something else that I don't think other people are saying is that, you know, the Royals did not have to give him this contract. They just 
didn't. You, there, there's a sound case to be made that this was bad business by the Royals because, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Royals controlled him for three more years anyway. Um, Dozier is going to be 30 in August. You know, no two pay- players develop at the same pace. Like, we all get that. But the, the history of professional baseball players is pretty clear that Dozier's best seasons are likely to happen within that window of when the Royals already had control. So, you know, Dozier probably took less in the guarantees than he might have made with, you know, reasonably projected production over the next few years. So I'm not making the case that this is like a charity contract, um, you know, because the Royals also buy out potentially two free agent years. But, you know, if if we're talking about Dozier being guaranteed less than $5 million more, um, you know, I'm sorry, if we're talking about him being guaranteed less than $5 million over the next three years, then he would have made by playing it out. I mean, that's a lot of money like to you and me, but in terms of major league baseball team and a major league payroll, you you can make a logical case that it's well worth the reduction of risk. But, you know, the Royals, like that reduction of risk, like I'm using that term intentionally, right? Because the Royals do not make decisions based on the reduction of risk that way, because in that context, reduction of risk is a line item on a spreadsheet. And Hunter Dozier is a human baseball player who the Royals want to succeed, and they treat him like that. Um, you know, baseball's a business. I'm not in. So I, I'm not being like empathetic to players in other organizations because they make a lot of money and all that. But you know, the, <laughs> this is a very different way than most of the other 29 treat their guys. Uh, so, look, I, I'm going to play you this clip. This is the money clip here um, from Dayton. It's a perfect complement to what we played you from Dozier earlier. Um, this is a really good really honest explanation of how the Royals view the world. You know, this clip is longer than we usually like to play, but it it is packed with good stuff. And this isn't just the Royals telling their own narrative. This is the same stuff you hear from players, uh, you know, even after they're sometimes, especially (laughs) after they're at other clubs, it's the same stuff you hear from, from agents who are obviously negotiating for more money against the Royals. So um, anyway, okay, here's Dayton. Well, yeah, we, we talk about that a lot, Alec. We, we talk about, um, um, our responsibility when we commit to a player and a player commits to us, I mean, we, we take that responsibility very, very seriously. Um, whether they end up making it to the major leagues or not, whether we get a chance to sit together in a press conference like this, um, it, it's all so important uh, to the process as we uh, respect this game, we grow this game. And we provide opportunities for future generations to enjoy this game and for players to play. I mean, so we we have a model of excellence that that we must strive for, and that is simply uh, helping every single player get through whatever they're dealing with on the field, off the field, and then to be able to sit here today and to um, be able to announce an extension like this, knowing full well that uh, Hunter Dozier. Uh, his mind and his heart's always in there. It's in the right place. And he's going to use, utilize these resources to help a lot of people and to do a lot of good things. And so that that's what it's all about, Alec. I mean, you know, we, we can, the world celebrates uh, world championships, national championships, all stars. And, and I understand that we all enjoy that. Um, that's, that's a lot of fun to watch a team or a player, compete at the highest level and achieve amazing things. We all admire that, but it's, it's, it's opportunities like this that we dream about and and be able to, 
to help players, you know, be a part of helping them reach their dreams. And uh, I mean, Hunter would be the first to tell you someone introduced him to this game of baseball many, many years ago. And he put in a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of commitment and dealt with a lot of ups and downs along the way just to make it to high school baseball. And then he became a college player at a, at a mid-level college, a mid-major. And he had to work his tail off and to prove himself and to sacrifice and to commit and to, and, and then to the minor leagues and uh, to experience a ton of success early on and then battle through some injuries and some challenges and then to overcome some things and, and then to, to break into the major leagues and, and to do as well as he has and to stay committed as a teammate and, and live his life in a very consistent manner. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's rewarding. I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal to be able to, to do this. I mean, I would rather sit here and do this personally than wear a world series ring or set in a parade. I mean, this is the type of stuff that's huge. This is going to, because I know I trust, we trust this guy. We trust, we trust Hunter that he's going to do the right things with, with, with his resources. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. So apologies first. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but at some point on that call, somebody flushed the toilet and you could hear it in the background. But um, 2021 is going to 2021. Right. But anyway, I I hope you heard the words um, that Dayton was saying, because that's the whole thing right there. You guys like he is talking about the club feeling a responsibility to the player. Um, and a responsibility not just for big league production. Um, he's talking about that whether they make it to the big leagues or, or top out at high A ball and go coach a high school or open a developmental shop or whatever. Um, you know, Dayton's even saying like he'd rather sit in a press conference like that than in a parade. And I got to be honest with you guys, when he said that, I thought it was going to touch off a wild Twitter dunk show. Um, you know, like the time that he said the. 2013 season felt like winning the World Series in a small way. Um, that he didn't, um, I, I don't know, maybe maybe the fact that there was no Twitter dunk show, maybe that means that, you know, more fans understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, maybe winning an actual World Series gives him some protection against some, some of that now. But uh, whatever it is, I just want to highlight that clip because it's absolutely what is in Dayton's heart and what's at the center of how Royals baseball operations does its thing. Like, we hear coaches and athletes talk a lot all the time, different sports, different teams about focusing on the journey and not the destination, right? And to me, this type of stuff, this is, you know, Dayton said something very similar when Danny Duffy signed his deal, by the way. Um, he said something very similar when Whit Merrifield signed his, when when Salvador Perez, everybody. Uh, but this type of stuff where the GM is saying he's focused more on helping his players have the kind of success and development that leads to this life-changing moment, you know, and this life-changing wealth uh, that, that he thinks about that stuff more than he thinks about a parade. That is absolute. That that is the ultimate example of focusing on the journey and not the destination, right? Like he stayed in his lane too, because you know the GM cannot win a World Series, you know, any more than he can lose a hundred games. Like the players do that, and this is Dayton respecting that. Um, players notice that stuff too, guys. Um, and I, I, I know it's easy to go cynical on this and, you know, make these like scarecrow arguments be- that, you know, because the Royals aren't signing some star like George Springer or whatever to a massively reduced free agent contract, that this is just all a bunch of hooey. But I- I'm just asking you to consider the merits and the sincerity of what Dayton is saying here. And, and I'm asking you to do it for at least three reasons. The first 
is because he is absolutely sincere on this stuff. I'm telling you, my first day covering baseball was Dayton's second day on the job. And unless I'm forgetting about somebody off the top of my head, he is the only person in the more visible parts of Kansas City sports scene who's, you know, been in the same job since since then. You know, I, I guess Bill Self, I suppose, but I was covering baseball for the first five years of that uh, and not any college sports. So I, I've had more conversations with Dayton than anybody else. And I promise you, he lives this stuff. Um, the second reason I want you to hear this is is it's worked, <laughs> you know, like we've seen actual evidence of the Royals being better off because of this. They've had losing seasons, obviously, um, and especially recently. But the success they had from 2013 to 2015 and those next two seasons, 16 and 17, those were those teams should have been better. Those are missed opportunities. But the success they had quite literally impossible to believe when Moore took the job 15 years ago. Right. Like and so do you think it's just a coincidence that they won a World Series after they stopped cutting every cost possible and started like truly investing time and money and heart into people? Um, I, I just I don't know how anyone could watch the way those teams played and won and not believe that this like shared love, like the shared history had at least something to do with it. So like we can talk a lot more about this going forward and and the Royals are going to be more transactional than they've been in the past, but they're still investing in people and they're still going to be a little bit of an outlier in seeing players as humans more than commodities. Um, Okay. So the third reason that I think you should hear Dayton on this stuff is that like, (laughs) this is the simplest reason. Like, wouldn't it be cool if this ended up the next way teams win? You know, like if teams decide that in a world in which, you know, everybody has the same information and, you know, so maybe the way to get the most out of players isn't like, you know, W-O-B-A plus or whatever, uh, but that maybe the best way is in providing the absolutely best environment for guys to go to work every day. You know, Um, I mean, I I love numbers as much as almost anyone. Um, And I think they're fascinating and helpful and all of that. Uh, but don't you think baseball would be a little bit better if more teams looked at it like the Royals are doing? Like, I, I don't agree with a lot of what the Royals do, um, but I respect the hell out of this specific perspective. And I desperately want to believe that it can be proven that employees perform best when they feel valued and supported and challenged in the best ways. I desperately want to believe that. Um, and shouldn't we all, by the way? So, I don't know. I, I, I want this to work. Um, I, I really do because it, it just seems like treating people the right way should be proven to be best for everybody, not just the employees, but the employers. Okay, look, that's the show this week. I appreciate you listening. And as always, I hope we're worth your time. Uh, thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to. Uh, big thanks to Savannah Smith for putting this together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you for giving us your time and letting us be a small part of your life. Let's do it again next week uh, when I suspect we'll talk a little bit more about college basketball. Okay, have a good weekend. Be kind. <laughs>